Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. Over the past three years, Kate Bear, who lives in Lancaster with her husband and four children, has become one of the nation's most popular poets. Her poems, that are often about motherhood, children, marriage, and many other issues in the world, have struck a chord. All three of Kate Bear's books of poetry have reached the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Her latest, and yet Poems is WITF and the Midtown Scholar Bookstore's Pick of the Month for January. Kate Bear is with us today. Kate Bear, welcome to the program. Hi, Scott. Good to be back. So what have the last three years been like for you? Well, they've been kind of a journey, but I think that most people could say that. My first book, What Kind of Woman, came out on November 8th of 2020. And I don't know if you remember what was happening that day, but... We were mid-pandemic, and uh, uh, it was the day of a very contentious election. So, so much has happened in the last three years. Um, a lot of great things and a lot of a lot of hard things, too. Well, I mean, it, there's been a lot of good things for you, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I never thought anyone besides my friends and family would buy uh, my book, especially because it was a book of poetry. Um so that's that's been a really wonderful surprise that so many people have resonated with it, especially during a time when uh, the media was really concentrated on other things. So you actually thought that the only people who would buy the book would be friends and family? Well, I, I, I had some readership, um, but I, I really didn't have much of an expectation as far as the New York Times bestseller list. One, because like I said, it was during COVID and there was such a contentious election. And two, because, you know, poetry books don't often make the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, a lot of people, I don't, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this, you know, poetry is not for them. And so that, that was a, that was a fun surprise. You know, I've always wondered, what is it like hearing that a book of yours is on the New York Times bestseller list? It's pretty great, Scott. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> great, especially especially when it's uh, the first time was obviously the best time just because I had no idea. Um, and to be number one, it, it was a great it was a great career moment. Um, a lot of times when when people hear about that, you kind of forget about the 10 years of failure and not getting that phone call, you know? Uh, so it was, it was a really wonderful moment. And then, but then like, like most of those kind of career moments, then you have to move on. Well, okay. Now you said the first one was especially special, but you've had three of them now. So, yeah. uh, I mean, does the, that, uh, does that feeling ever kind of wear off? It just changes. Um, there, there becomes an expectation once you make it on once for that to happen again. But, uh, I think most people don't realize that that list changes from year to year. You have to sell a certain amount of books to be on it, but it depends who else is there. So much has changed in the last three years with book talk, uh, which has been a huge sensation in the publishing world, which is just, uh, 
TikTok, but for books. And uh, and Colleen Hoover, I don't know if you know who she is. She's really taken the publishing world by storm and has really changed how that list works. Uh, so it's it's been it's been interesting, uh, but always always so happy to be there and just happy that people are reading poetry. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great feeling. You didn't start off writing books. I mean, you were on social media. Uh, you had written for some publications, but uh, how do you go from you know social media writing poetry, writing for the, the those kind of publications to actually publishing a book? Well. Uh, yeah, I, I was doing personal essay for, for a long time on Huffington Post and on my own site. Then I kind of switched off of that. I got really tired of uh, being called a mommy writer. And so I took a break from that and worked on a novel for a few years. Uh, it was during that time that Mary Oliver died. And, you know, I'd always written poetry, but I was I was revisiting it then. And I started cheating. I don't know if you've ever cheated, Scott, but cheating is is pretty fun. I started cheating on uh, my book with poetry, and it was very sexy. Uh, I couldn't stop, and so my poetry gig kind of became my uh, went from my side piece to my full time job. And um, yeah, I I always I never thought I would publish poetry. I thought you kind of had to be a certain kind of person to be a poet, you know, like a grad student wandering in Greece with a cigar. I, I really had this idea of what a poet had to look like, but then people started really connecting with my poetry, which led to a book deal um, and ultimately became one of my full-time writing jobs, which, which I love. I, I love the boiled down storytelling. I love, I love so much about it. So it was a shock to me to kind of go in this direction, but I, I really found my voice in poetry and um I know I know that I will continue to write it, hopefully, the rest of my life. Probably one of the reasons that your poetry became so popular is because you don't fit that stereotype that you just described. Now, you write about things that most poets never touch on. Uh, sometimes it's not about all the joys of motherhood, but about stress, being exhausted, and even resentful sometimes. Where's that come from? I think, mo I mean, most of my poetry just comes from personal experience. And, you know, there have been plenty of poets who have touched on this. There have been many women who have paved the way for me to be able to write about these sort of things. A lot of women of color, actually, Audre Lorde is one of them who was writing about this, you know, decades ago. Sharon Olds um, is a wonderful poet as well, who is kind of tackling these day-to-day things and I think you know when when you when women especially women read read poetry like this not just mine and be able to see themselves reflected back I think that that's part of why these books have been so popular um you know I meet women all the time on my book tours who say I I never saw myself in in books before until I read your work and and that to me is the best compliment and I think you know what what people are looking for I use the cliche that you struck a chord. Uh, now, you just described <laughs> it somewhat, but what is that chord? What resonates with your fans, your readers? I think, well, I think especially with what kind of woman um, it was resonating because we were all kind of participating in what is now known as the primal scream of 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 motherhood in a pandemic. I think that was what it was at first, not, not maybe completely, but partly we were going through a time 
when women felt very undervalued because now we were expected to hold both career and full-time childcare. So I think that that's part of what it was at first and, and maybe continues to be, um, but I don't, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to say what's resonating in what you're, you're writing, but I think uh, the childcare piece is part of it. And also just being a, a woman in the world. Although, you know, I hope that there are also some male readers. I'll send you a book. I, I have one and I read it. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I haven't yet and I read it. So yes, it does resonate Thanks, with, with, with men as well. Um, in fact, there are several poems that really stuck out to me. So that's an endorsement uh, for all you men out there, out there, <laughs> out there listening. Um, you know, during the pandemic, you have four children. What was life like in your family with, I don't know, most kids weren't going to school at the time, with four kids at home? Uh, I understand that your husband helps out a great deal, but uh, what was life like during the pandemic for you? Yeah, it was, it was very much an and yet situation in that it was really, really hard. And I had to write in my car. You know, we at that time, we lived in a 1,200 square foot home with six people. I didn't have an office. Uh, the, the coffee shops where I usually wrote were closed. And so I had to end up driving my car to like Panera, using their Wi-Fi, propping up my laptop on the steering wheel and writing there because I had nowhere else to go that was quiet. And so that was really difficult homeschooling my children, which is wonderful to some, terrible for me, was difficult. And yet I will say there were some really beautiful moments in there. I, you know, that time with my kids, you know, there were many times that was great. We did these COVID walks every day, no matter what the weather, walking around the neighborhood, uh, all the playgrounds were closed. So we just kind of did these little nature walks. Uh, you know, the, there were moments like that, that were really beautiful. And the time we got to spend together, that there were parts of that that were great, but um, yes, there were many times that were difficult, especially for writing. I had a book due and nowhere to write it, and so I ended up, like I said, writing it in my minivan. <laughs> I, I don't know whether you're the first to do that. Probably not the first <laughs> to, to use a, uh, a coffee shop's Wi-Fi to write a book, but doing it in a minivan during a pandemic, you, you have to be unique in that way. We have a, a listener who asked a question, wanted to know how you developed your audience. How do you get your stuff out there? Well, I think maybe it looks like it happened overnight, but I, I've been writing on the internet for over a decade. And I, I think that slow buildup was maybe the most helpful, just continuing to put myself out there, um, even if only a handful of people were reading it, just to keep going and to hope that if, if it's connecting with people, that it will be shared um, and, and try to grow organically. There really isn't a shortcut. And so I think that's a hard lesson to learn. It was a really hard lesson for me to learn. I tried a lot of different shortcuts and uh, none of them worked, so. As I said a little bit earlier, and you just said that uh, a lot of your poetry comes from personal experience. Um, it was stressful during the pandemic. And you said you had a lot of good times with the kids, but there were times where I can tell that uh, from some of your poetry that uh, you were exhausted and you were wondering what the future held. I know I'm going to sound like a psychologist here or something, but are you happy? I am happy. Today, uh, happy is kind of a funny word because it's so fleeting. And uh, I'm happy today to talk to you here on WITF, but you know, 
there that is such a fleeting feeling that I think most of us uh, would say it is hard to pin down for an, an all the time sensation. Are you happier now than you were three years ago? That's tough. Um, gosh, there. <laughs> I don't think anything has really changed as far as, you know, the ability to kind of quell depressive episodes or, or have difficult times with the children. It's just different. I, we're so lucky to be able to send our kids to school. That That's the biggest difference is the childcare issue is a little bit less of a burden. Although for so many people, it's not, there's, we were the ripple effects of the pandemic are a huge childcare crisis, which so many of my friends are experiencing. And um, so, yeah, sure. <laughs> For me right now, it, I'm happier in, in that kind of situation. Um, but I know for a lot of people that that primal scream that we talked about before ha has not really deadened. It's it's still going. You know, one of the things you've talked about in articles that I've read uh, is the way that society treats women as opposed to men. Uh, even being more specific with uh, a woman who is a best-selling author, best-selling uh, uh, poet. Now, I'm going to ask a question I probably wouldn't ask a man. I'll preface that. But you have said that your husband has been supportive, has been helpful. What has he said about your success? I mean, I think, my, yeah, my, my husband's very... Uh, uh, happy that I'm happy. He encourages me to have as much of a a career in in writing poetry as I'd like. He he wants me to be happy. He um, encourages all of all of this. I mean, I guess the bigger question question though for me is, does he encourage all women uh, to to find find their voice and and have have support support in childcare? You know, yeah, he's great in our family. He's a very equal dad. Um, we we have a, a great partnership with kids, but a lot of a lot of people are married to nice guys. I, I want all the nice guys to also think about everyone <laughs> and the equity in marriages and the equity in the workforce. That's that's kind of where a lot of our conversations lie, uh, not just politically, but just in our day to day conversations about. Um, you know, equity in the home and, and equity in in the work in the workplace. Yes, he he's very supportive of me and, and the poetry. Uh, he always reads the final copy. If that's what you're asking, he loves it. He's a very open book. I write about him a lot, and I never check with him first. That's usually what people want to know. <laughs> I, I I wondered about I wondered about that as I was reading some of the the poems because oh, the, sure. there's one in particular that uh, is in in yet uh, where you you talk about the fathers picking up their children at school. And you're imagining, you know, what they're thinking, <laughs> how they're dressing, and that that kind of thing. And I was just wondering if that was something that your husband had any kind of influence on whatsoever. You know what? He dropped the kids off today. I'll have to ask him if he saw it <laughs> at a preschool drop off. You know, there are many issues that you deal with in your poetry, other than just motherhood, children, family, like body image, uh, mass shootings, sex. You aren't afraid to tackle what many may find uncomfortable in poetry. Where does that come from? I think just my personality. I'm not really afraid to tackle those things in real life either. 
I'm not someone who who loves surface conversations. Uh, most people say they don't like small talk. It, it really makes my skin crawl. So I think a lot of that just comes from my own personality. And then the other part of that is I, I really love the the idea that to write what you want to read and I don't really want to read surfacey poetry or watch you know all my favorite books and movies and tv shows are are the ones that are willing to take risks in what they talk about and so I try to I try to write in the same way because when you're willing to take the risk to tackle some of those things that's that's where the good stuff is all right so I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot what is your t favorite tv show <laughs> oh man, I you know what? I I come around to all the same favorites most people love, which is shows like The Office and The New Girl, but uh I just finished White Lotus. I'm really looking for my next show. So, if anyone has suggestions, please let me know. So, all three of those that you mentioned do have some cutting edge on them or a, a little bit <laughs> sure. unique. I'm curious how you write. Um do you sit down, devote time to writing? Now, obviously, when you were in your minivan, you did that. But do you nowadays say, I have to sit down and write so many poems today? Or is there something that just comes to you at the moment? Well, first, I want to say for me, in order for me to write, I need childcare. I like to say that in every interview, every time I'm asked that about process, I can't really do anything without that. So once that that is in place, yes, I I sit down in my office. Um, I have like three to four dedicated days a week that I write. Uh, some of them have to be used for, you know, PR or, or things like that, especially when a book's just come out. But the rest of the time, yeah, that's that's my writing time. Um, you know, I don't know how much you want to know. Noise-canceling no. <laughs> noise headphones. <clears throat> I write with a book on my lap. Um, that's something that I usually have with me. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, and again, re reading your your poems, I have to think that some of these ideas come about like, you know, with something you're experiencing at the moment. You've kind of confirmed that. Have you ever been somewhere other than home and grabbed a napkin or something to write on? Oh, sure. Yeah, all, all the ideas really come from all over and all, all different times. The, the office hours are more for structure and kind of piecing those ideas together. Most most of the content is just from my my real life. Uh, I I email myself lines all the time. I write it in my notes app. I write it in a notebook. Yeah, sure, a napkin a napkin will work. Anything will do, just to get the get the language down. Often it happens when I'm walking. Um, I don't really have anything to write with, uh, and I'll if I have my phone, I'll email myself. But sometimes I'll repeat a line to myself over and over until I get back home and and I can write it back, write it down. We have about uh, four minutes left, and I didn't want to leave you today without uh, being able to hear one of your poems, our, our audience being able to hear a poem. I ask you to, uh, if you would, to read one of, of of your favorites. Do you have one? And this is from I a, do have a and yet, yeah, right. I have a few favorites. I actually thought I'd read halfway there. Um, I know Midtown Scholar is partnering with WITF for this book of the month, and this is the poem they chose for uh, the broadside that, that came with And Yet This Year. Uh, this is called Halfway There. Whatever happens, you are free to go, free to peel off what's left of this story and choose another. It is not too late. It is definitely worth the trouble. Remember the story of the lion lost without his courage, too scared, full of fury, the great wizard standing in the Emerald Tower knowing the lion was already brave. I read that last night. 
and uh, wanted to know where it came from. You know, I wrote that that poem for a person who I'm not going to name now, but I wrote that for someone, uh, and I hope they read it. Um, they've been going through a difficult time, and I think the sentiment behind it was that uh, everything they need is already inside of them, and uh, which is a hard a hard thing to realize. It's been hard for me as well. You just said that you wrote it for a person. There was another poem uh, where. I get the, the the sense that someone asked you to write a children's poem, right? Which one? I, now I'm well, I don't have it right in front of me, but there were, it starts off uh, as, you know, you asked me to write a... Oh, you want a poem for the children? Right, yes. right, right. Oh, yeah. Yes, that, that has come from a lot of people uh, <laughs> over the years. Now, since I've been writing poetry, can you write a poem that I can have for my kids to kind of tell them, to guide them and what they should be doing right. And uh, I find that very funny. It's hard to give kids advice. <laughs> very difficult from my own experience. So they're kind of asking for <laughs> some some parental help themselves. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like an inspirational poem for kids, <laughs> uh, which I guess that's what came out instead. Did you ever think you'd be in a position where there would be adults, parents asking for your help in raising <laughs> their kids? No, but I've been asked for weirder. I've had people request all sorts of poems from me, which is funny because I don't think, well, maybe there are some poets who do that. I, I don't write poems for commission or, or or anything like that, but I've had some crazy requests, which I find very fun and, and funny and, and honored that they would ask me. But uh, I had one the other day, it wasn't the other day, a few months ago, where someone was asking uh, about one for their, for their pet. Um, and I thought, well, will the pet read it? I, I had to ask. <laughs> I had to wonder. <laughs> Kids, pets, plants, who knows? Who knows what's coming next? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we only have about 30 seconds left. Kate Bear, I enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you very much for being with us. In those 30 seconds, and yet, how is it unique? From my other books? Yeah. I, I kind of consider this a breakup album, not not a breakup album with my husband or not yet, but uh, more more just maybe with the world and, and trying to piece that back together. Uh, and I, I hope I hope you can find some of that in there. The the kind of two sides of the coin, joy and sorrow. Best-selling author and poet Kate Bear lives in Lancaster now with her husband and four children. And yet poems is the latest book. Kate Bear, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks, Scott. Always a pleasure. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.